previously on Just in the Nick of Time. We've got a good shot against Minnesota. There is a slim chance that Minnesota really does show up and just totally outplays us. Mm -hmm. I think I'm really not terribly concerned about the defense because they looked so good against Northwestern. Cool, so now that Justin has that audio, let's start the show. Um, yes, that happened, uh, I think. Like, here we are. Here All we right, are. Justin, I'd like to introduce the segment. Okay. We are now going to talk about the Nebraska-Minnesota football game that happened last Saturday. We were wrong. We got our kicked. We might not make 6-6. Six and six. Okay, next segment. Are you ready to move on from football, Justin? Or are we obligated to say more as a football podcast? <laughs> I think we have a bit more to fill our quota. Uh, but, like, how do we get this bad? Like, honestly. What? I don't even know. Our, our, our first loss we kind of wrote down as a fluke choke. Like, we obviously could have beaten Colorado. We just didn't. We beat ourselves that we, day. we beat ourselves. Uh-huh. Ohio State, everyone's like, okay, it's Ohio State. They're the toast of the toast. You know, they... Yeah, we, we, got, we got beat... For but, reals. Yeah, we got beat by the best. No shame in being beat by the best. But Minnesota, it's it wasn't even like that crazy of a weather game. It wasn't even that crazy of a talent mismatch. They no, just honestly, we might have been like totally evenly matched when everything like evens out across the board. Like I really think that those were two pretty close teams. We said things to that effect. We said all the right things. Yes, we didn't. We we did, but I guess we just didn't account for how bad our o-line is just shooting ourselves in the foot yeah and just how bad our linebackers are you're smarter better people will break this down far better than i can but like i'm actually more interested in the like long term I think that's the only interesting thing about this. You cannot look at this week and gain any sort of content other than... We're in trouble. We are in big mud. So, Mm. I've never been so thankful to have a bye week come before Indiana. I know. Like, normally you'd want your bye week before, like, Wisconsin. But no, this Indiana game's our best chance at getting a win the rest of the year. And we have some serious stuff to fix. Are you, are you ready for me to be a grouch? Oh, because every... I'm I'm gonna rain on this parade. Just just come with me on this little sadness journey. What if hypothetically, and mm-hmm. I don't think it's totally out of the question, we just stew on this for a week and we go Indiana. I mean, they're probably not much worse than than Minnesota probably fairly evenly matched what if we're just sitting around going like all right let's go through the motions and practice and go like like i don't think if i was a player on this team and i know that like no one would ever tell the press this right no football player or coach would ever admit this but that's a demoralizing loss you oh, didn't yeah. just lose to minnesota you got your crap kicked in by minnesota and at the end of the day a lot of that comes down to you don't have the offensive line to compete in this league. You don't have the solidity as a defensive unit 
which it really looked like we might be gaining against Northwestern. Yes, exactly. Our our linebackers just looked lost out, out there. You know, Minnesota had the genius offensive strategy of run to where they're not. And that worked every time, and we just did not adjust it. If we were crowding the weak side, they'd go to the strong side, easy first down. We just could not adjust to the most simple of football concepts. And Minnesota just ran it down our throats the whole game long because they were able to win in the trenches. They were able to get that extra jump off the snap. And, you know, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't know if it will be different during Indiana. I, I'm just hoping that the bye week helps in that regard because if we were coming if we were playing indiana regularly you know this saturday i would not feel confident in our chances no absolutely not i still don't feel confident after the bye week though because think about it they're all going to sit down and they're all going to have to watch the game film and watching the game film watching a team you know you should have at least played close kick the crap out of you and here's the thing People are going to start to look for places to put the blame, and they're not going to genuinely find them cleanly without saying we have some deep systemic problems as a team this year. Yeah. You know, in our our hiccups in earlier games, we could point to, all right, the O-line sucks, which it does. The the snaps were bad. The snaps were bad. We seem to be making bad play calls. Like, all of those things were true, and yet there was still this X factor lurking where we just sucked beyond our wildest suckage. If I were a coach, I would have no idea how to fix this. I'd start Craigslisting football job opportunities (laughs) if I was an offensive coordinator right now. If I I think it's reasonable that if we don't make 6-6, and Uh, maybe reasonable is the wrong word. I think it's expectable that if we don't make six and six, people are going to start calling for heads in this organization. Oh, yeah. Before we've really even got to, to know a whole bunch of them. Yeah. I, I'd say the O-line coach has to be very worried about his his job right now because, you know, be it this O-line got us to the 50, but as soon as we got in the, to the 50-yard line, nothing we were doing would work. This is a very short term o-line you know they're good for three plays it's like yeah. it's, it's it's like the opposite of what our defense is our defense could stop them on first and second down but third down all hell breaks loose our offense you know we'll get you like two yards on first down four yards on second down it's third and four and then you know holding penalty screen pass with nowhere to go quarterback sack right. quarterback hurry Ugh, i need to apologize to martinez because i did not know he was working with that not that he, uh, um, not that he was playing good beyond that, but that's you know, why I'm not apologizing. Also, I'm an apple. But like Vedral does not have a strong arm to work with that line. Martinez could at least work with that line to make to try to make throws. Vedral can't know, even get it to the line of scrimmage half the time. Like for this football program to have a sense of momentum going into next year, we need to make a bowl game. We do. We need to make a bowl game and. To keep fans happy, like we need to win the bowl game because you know, seasons where you win a bowl game feel so much better than seasons where you don't. And it's, I mean, look at Riley's first year. We went five and seven, got into a bowl because the NCAA doesn't know crap about how to make a bowl schedule. That's totally BS. You know why we made that bowl? 
Because they knew that there was going to be a bunch of people in red shirts going to that bowl, and that's exactly what they wanted. But that's a huge advantage as a struggling football program. Th- that was. Why the hell do you think we're in Ireland? It's because a bunch of rich muckamucks in... Oh, shoot. I let the cat out of the bag, but there's the transition, kids. I, I know. That was a clean transition. Yeah. Well, so we're going to Ireland next year, right? 2021. There is one reason. Two years. One reason and one reason only. We are being sent to Ireland. It is because there are a bunch of Irish Catholic money bags sitting in Lincoln and Omaha willing to buy Aer Lingus tickets over to Ireland. (laughs) And they are going to go to this stupid football game. And instead of, like, I don't know, appreciating Irish culture and getting an understanding of what sports are played in Ireland, it's just going to be Husker football Saturday in Ireland. All of Port poor Dublin will have to put up with a ridiculous amount of red. (laughs) which They will. Levels of which have not been seen since the last communist uprising in Ireland. I Oh, I should look this up. Last. The communism in Ireland Wikipedia page is going to help us today. Did, did they ever get to Ireland? I don't, I don't think they crossed many seas. It's party na echagrin. It's an all-Ireland Marxist-Leninist party founded in 1933. The party is a member of the International Meeting of Communist and Workers Party. Their founder's name was James Larkin Jr. There we go. Ah, yes. Larkin Jr. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to pretend that's one word, even though I know it's not. They were outlawed under the government of W.T. Cosgrave in 1931, which is two years before they were founded, which is kind of impressive. That is. As a part of the wider crackdown on Padre O'Connell's Sar Ire and the IRA. <laughs> we're playing in Ireland. I... Okay, first of all, it takes away a real road game. Yes, it does. Which is cool. Because we've not been the best at Illinois. Not that we've been good anywhere. I would have been... But at Illinois has been a game that's given us way more trouble than it ever should. Mostly, I would have been pissed if they'd taken away one of our home games. Oh, that would never happen. I know. And and, and you know it. Well, but I think (laughs) they might be like, listen... Nebraska, you get to go to Ireland, but we're taking one of your home games. And Nebraska would be like, okay. Because I, ma- I imagine we're paid, being paid oh, yeah. a lot of money to go to Ireland. Yeah. and and this Plus with the sponsorship of the bowl and all the recognition it gets. Because this is likely going to be the biggest game that week of week zero. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's the Aerolingus Ireland Bowl. Like, <laughs> of course it will be. Um, it's It's weird. It's gimmicky. It'll be fun. Uh, Husker Twitter will go on a rampage. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There are a lot of Irish people in this part of the world. There are. That's. I think that's why they chose us in Illinois. Oh, yeah. Because the, the first uh, Ireland Bowl is next year, and it's Notre Dame in the Navy. And Notre, oh, yeah. Notre Dame is obvious because they're literally the Irish. And Navy's just a team that makes sense to play Notre Dame. Yes, because they play every year for some reason. I don't know why. Are, are y'all rivals? I doubt it. Well, they're rivals in the sense that it's like, we've been playing football since, like, we had to take the skin off the pig ourselves. <laughs> so, like, I think that it makes sense that, like, now, as far as, like, a quality exhibition of football, this oh, is... no. 
Nope. But like, fans in Ireland will still need to wait to see college football being played. Here's here's <laughs> what I disagree. I, I, I reject your premise because you just said fans in Ireland. And I think oh, this is not them. like this is not like the NBA in China, which we'll get to. Or um the uh NFL in London. The NFL in London. Or for that matter, baseball in London, where it's like some people, American expats, friends of American expats, weirdo sports nuts, probably actually do follow these things. No one follows college football. Some days I wonder outside of the Midwest and Southeast, but right now, like at the very least, no one outside of America follows American college football. We are exporting our fans to Ireland, which is exactly why they've picked very, very Irish Yes. Irish-leaning fan bases. Which which reminds me of the very first college football exhibition game in Ireland. Uh, it was Penn State versus UCF in 2013 because their coaches' last names were O'Brien and O'Leary. I'm 90% sure that's the actual reason why they chose them. <laughs> and I like it because we don't have a week one game that year, so it's essentially a bye week before week two. Wait, what? You know, like, there's week one where every team plays. Like, Except for us. Yeah, like, it's the where the Nebraska-South Alabama game this year, that's week one. Where the Miami-Florida game this year was. Remember that game? Yeah. That was... Th- that's week zero because it happened a week before week right. one. Right, so the, the Ireland game is on week zero. It's what on week zero. What you're saying is that next year we don't have a week one game. Yes, the year we play in week zero, we do not have a game week one. Oh, great. Okay, so we get to come back. Yeah. And rest up a week. And then week two, and then season goes on. And in place of the road game we would have played at Illinois in November, we have a home game against southeastern Louisiana. Okay. Oh, sweet. Perfect. So, yeah, so we, so we, we have really a have cake in November. So That's beautiful. Um, little SEC scheduling strategies. And speaking of teams playing outside their homes. Okay. When I do it, it's smooth. When you do it, it's just revolting. Guys, we're going to talk about the NBA in China because we both think this is a really interesting issue. Justin, you want to kind of intro that? The NBA, in its preseason games, you know, they've played outside the U.S. before. They've played European teams. This year, they started to play Chinese teams. There's Over- a there's a really great video on the internet. I think some guy named The Justino Show did a great video about the... Uh, China McDonald's. No, it wasn't China. It was just called the McDonald's Challenge. Yeah, right? it was called the McDonald's Challenge. It was this, you know, annual tournament featuring one NBA team, one EuroLeague team, and this one random team. They did have a team from China play once. They had a team from Australia play. They once had the Soviet national team play. Because <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Screw the Soviets. That's why. Yeah. So the NBA, you know, they pride themselves on growing the game globally. So they invited China to play here in spite of the fact that China, the country, is at the forefront of some growing global atrocities at the moment. Like, not to get political, but this isn't political. This is just facts. Human rights abuses. Those are human rights abuses. Human rights abuses. Here on this podcast, we strongly stand against human rights abuses. We do. Concentration (laughs) camps are really, really bad. We're not fans. I think I never thought I'd have to say on our Husker Football General Sports Podcast. But no, (laughs) we are not fans of concentration camps. Boo, genocide. Boo, genocide. Um, yeah, and I think that it's like 
fairly easy to step back and say, hey, the Chinese government is involved in not only these macro scale, like, oh, that's, you know, definitely ethnic cleansing, but then also evidence of, like, first of all, past wrongdoing, but then also, like, currently they run an oppressive regime, uh, especially on matters of speech. And I think the worry, seeing the way that the NBA has reacted to this whole situation, um, is that that's being exported to American companies who have to work with China. Yes, because Rocket's general manager, Daryl Morey, who... Again, Who has the widest name ever. Widest name. He's kind of an oddball. You know, there's this YouTuber named The Justino Show who made this epic 30-minute breakdown of the Houston Rockets last year and how they were just built to fail all along. I think it's called, like, The Tragic Humanity of the Houston Rockets or something <laughs> like that. He's briefly touched on Daryl Morey in the video, and that man's strange. He, he gets into, like, Twitter wars with fans. He literally brags about losing sometimes. He's weird. He doesn't even spell Morey right. He doesn't. M-O-R-E-Y, which I didn't know till now, but good lord. Yeah, so I was shocked, like, initially when he came out on the morally right side of this, in my opinion, when he said, when he just said, okay, let, let's remove ourselves from all NBA business. He said, I, he tweeted something in support of the protesters in Hong Kong who have been fighting the oppressive Chinese regime who doesn't want them to exist. So, so he says, yo, this is bad. And then the NBA realizes that, hey, we're doing business with China right now. The Rockets are the biggest franchise in China. They have been since Yao Ming got drafted there in 2002. And... The love for the Rockets in China goes beyond Yao Ming. In 2006, the best-selling jersey in China was not Yao Ming's. It was that of his teammate, Tracy McGrady. The, and the Rockets have went all in in the past on trying to capture their Chinese fans. They've had Chinese Heritage Nights. They had Chinese script on their jerseys a couple of times. Chinese advertisements on the court, you name it. I don't know. I, I find it interesting because I really do think that if, like, uh, a Disney employee tweeted this out, which we'll get into Disney in a minute and how mm -hmm. they're kind of... And I think that this ties into a broader issue with American companies in China. Yes. But, like, uh, what is such... Like, I, don't, I really don't know why this became a big deal. Yeah. I, are, are the general Chinese public really on their, like, lockdown internet paying attention to what the general manager of the houston rockets is yeah. saying because number one twitter is basically banned in china right and number two the tweet was in english right so likely 99 percent of the greater chinese population will not see it, will not know what's happening. Also, what's the news here? Is the news to Chinese people that, like, the United States thinks that Hong Kong needs to have autonomy? Because we've said that since, uh, you know, the Chinese Revolution in China. So it's it's really not that... It's, 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 it's not more so the United States at large, I think. It's that, you know, the business that's happening there, the, the NBA, who is having two of their teams play in China, you know, this month, say, have one of their, you know, employees say, hey, China's doing bad stuff. And so, China's like, no. 
No! No, no, you make him stop. Then Adam Silver's like, bro, you gotta stop. You're embarrassing me in front of my rich friends who commit genocide. And then... <laughs> to quote a side that was removed from a basketball game recently, Google Uyghurs. I'll tell you how to spell it because I didn't even know how. I'm currently Googling Uyghurs. Yeah. And then, yeah, the NBA's kind of been a disaster at, you know trying to damage control this because signs saying free Hong Kong and Google Uyghurs have been banned from NBA games and the arena staffs, you know, they allegedly say that the fans were being disruptive. It wasn't the signs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We highly doubt that. The Uyghurs are a minority Turkic ethnic group originating from and culturally affiliated with the general region of Central and East Asia. Um, they're native to only one region, which is in the People's Republic of China. Um, China does not recognize them as an ethnic minority, only a regional minority. You know what you can't do? You can't regionally cleanse. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's all about the language. It's the nomenclature. It's bad. So, yeah. Um... That's a spot of bother. There are plenty of spots of bother here. But so, I think that, so like, many. the idea that – I don't know what the proper response from the NBA is here. I don't know what the right line to walk is. But yes. I think what the, the, um, the, the line I would have drawn is, listen, the NBA doesn't take a stance. The, like the NBA proper – doesn't take a stance, but players, general managers, training staff on teams will always be allowed to have their own personal opinions. Yes. And if, if this had just been a feud between LeBron and Daryl Morey, yeah. like, whoop de do. But I think the fact that the league had to be like, listen, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, like, that... To me, is is when it becomes a problem. Now, if if China is really so hell bent on keeping any negative press about the Hong Kong thing out of the American press as well as the Chinese press, because they can control what yes. their people consume, they could have totally just erased this tweet from the internet, and China would have never known. I really just I don't. And maybe it's my lack of understanding of geopolitics, but I don't see how this spirals into a story unless the NBA makes it spiral into a story. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, they had a choice to make it spiral into a story over there and directly antagonize China by saying, no, we actually think it's good that our employee holds this. Or they can piss off Americans by saying, listen, don't say bad things about China. Which, like, you know, we've been doing that since, I don't know. Forever, yeah. rightly or wrongly at times, but, like, I, I don't know. To me, the right play was to just stay the hell out of it yeah. and say, listen, Daryl, we don't know, but we think it's great that you have opinions. How about we all read about Uyghurs on Wikipedia? <laughs> That's what I really want you to get out of this. Google Uyghurs. Yeah. That's the one, the, the one thing I think that, that, that has come out of this is hopefully more people are starting to understand that, like, oh... Because of our cultural, like, openness to China, we kind of we brush some of that stuff under the rug, and Americans don't read up on it about enough. Yes, and, and, and if they cancel their game in China because 
You know, they can't handle what the GM of a team who has nothing to do with the game that was scheduled to play says. Then who cares? Who cares? Like, honestly, it's one preseason game. The Chinese teams that come over here to exhibition the American teams, that's like four games. You're losing revenue from, like, what, five games? Yeah, the, the revenue in and of itself is not big. I think the concern is the soft power of the NBA in China, which, by the way, if you look through um, Today Explained, which is a daily explainer podcast from Vox, they have a really awesome episode that's going to get way more in the weeds on this than we possibly can. Um... And they've got uh, experts on and everything who are talking about not only how the NBA does this, but how all American companies find the need to, like, appease China. Um, But something that they get into, and something that I think it's important that we touch on, is like, yeah, the NBA needs China for long-term growth. Uh, and for potential long-term stability, if other sports begin to eclipse the NBA more and more in the United States, which there are some pretty broad criticisms of the NBA that I think could grow if the NBA doesn't shape itself. It Although could, it does, it feels like a criti- younger... Yeah, those criticisms kind of work out for a different demographic. Like, people, like, all they want about how the Warriors won every year, but the league was still, like, pulling good ratings during those years, you know? And, like... People complain that, well, the players have too much power. They they can switch teams. There's no consistency. Well, this year, there's no clear favorite for a championship. So it's wide open. It's like a basketball fan's dream because there's like seven teams who could, you know, if the door opens, they could take the whole thing. And, you know, past four years, we haven't had that. So, you know, with for every head of the coin, there's a tails when it comes to criticisms of the product the NBA places on the field. But the NBA's larger image, it's very... When did they start playing basketball on a field? Field basketball! That'd be a great sport, They call them field goals, okay? Do you want them to rename them to court goals? Yes! LeBron made nine court goals in the winning. I think that would be great. Court goals. Court goals. Some... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that there's a whole lot much more to say about this. I imagine... So Justin thinks this is over. I I, I don't think it's, like, 100% over. I think it peaked because, you know, the one person in the NBA who can cause more damage with this, like, not damage, more talk with a statement than Adam Silver speaking on behalf of the league offices, it's LeBron James. And LeBron James, who was part of the uh, Lakers team that did play in China, uh, he said that Daryl Morey was uninformed when he made his tweet. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a yikes from me, dog. Like, like, dude, it won't hurt you to just say no comment. That's basically what Steve Kerr did. That's what Popovich did. And, you know, while that is kind of, you know, not what you'd expect from two guys who have been at the forefront of, you know, pushing progressive, you know, political opinions into the sports landscape and saying there is really no difference between sports and politics— but, you know, if the league if the league's breathing down on your neck saying that we cannot have people like constantly talk about China, you know, I'd get why somebody would say we're just here to play basketball, you know, because like, why would I like I, I wasn't the one who decided that we should play in China, you know, so like talk, talk with about Adam Silver. So, yeah, the fact that LeBron had all that room to not say that and he chose to say that. That's really disappointing, and it's causing a huge media circus with 
think Pisa Palooza's running around. So I don't see where else it can go from here because the actual NBA season, which gets played in America, like starts next week. And the only other, I guess, angle from this, a uh, person who's not staying silent is Ennis Cantor of the Boston Celtics. Do you know Do you know who he is? Yeah, he's Turkish, right? Yep. He just had an op-ed in the Washington Post today about his Turkishness and his displeasure with the uh, Turkish government and authoritarian governments all over. So that's, I think that there's actually a lot of ways that this spirals. Okay. I think, first of all, if something more happens in Hong Kong, you know. Which is likely. Daryl Morey's going to say something again. If he doesn't, somebody else will. Also, like, right now, we're in the preseason. The cameras aren't on everyone all at once. Suddenly, it's going to be a story when any one player, you know, bucks the NBA on this. Um, I think that if, uh, it would be really weird if every player in the NBA all at once decided to be, A, totally uninformed, and B, totally spineless, or C, actually in support of authoritarian speech, like speech restrictions. Some other people are going to come out about this. We're going to continue to talk about it. It's going to be a theme. And then we're going to continue to talk about, like, the NBA's relationship with China. Yeah. Because, frankly, this is the only American league. Well, I mean, you can talk about baseball and, like, Japan. Yeah, but Japan's not China. Japan's no China. Um, (laughs) And they would like you to know that. Both sides would like you to know that. Yes. (laughs) But... Um... You know, I, I really don't think that this just fizzles. I think it fades slowly. Yeah. But I don't think we're done talking about it. I, I do think if there's, like, big news in in Turkey about yes. Ennis Cantor's thing. Because uh, the NBA was playing a game in London, you know, last year. And uh, one of the team's schedule was the team Ennis Cantor played for. And Ennis Cantor just refused to go because he believed that the Turkish government would send people out to kill him. Right. He's a wanted man in Turkey. He's literally exiled from his own own country. His family gets arrested. You know, he hasn't seen his father in five years. Right. So there are players with skin in the game. Yeah. So, yeah. And he had some harsh words, you know, subtweeting LeBron about those comments. Oh, absolutely. And I think that, like... So if anyone's going to say something, I'd bet it's him. Good Lord. Yep. There are people on CNN right now defending LeBron James. Of course, because... Well, I mean, people are going to come out and say, oh, my God, LeBron's a fascist now. Welcome to fascist LeBron. And then other people are going to come out and say, but no, like he's allowed to be wrong about things. And I think there's an area here of, like, he's not probably terribly wrong. He's speaking out of self-interest. We were yes. talking before the podcast, like, oh, a big part of China is jersey sales, you know? Yeah. Lots of people in China wear NBA jerseys. Obviously, ticket sales aren't big over there. So, like, you know, who's getting the majority stake of that? It's bigger players. And what I could see is this sort of, like, I think it could actually be really interesting, where the bottom three guys on every starting lineup are suddenly willing to talk. But, you know, your star power forward and your fairly decent shooting guard, yeah, they're not interested. They're going to stay away from the camera for that and let their teammates speak. 
and they're going to be the no comments, right? Yes. And so then there might be this pressure from the bottom up of, of the depth chart in the NBA, which would be really interesting. That would be. Right? Where LeBron is the biggest name in basketball. He is. He has a vested interest in not only the success of his team and the success of himself, but the success of the NBA, not just in the United States, but globally. Like, LeBron has become yes. the NBA the way that Tiger Woods for years was the PGA Tour. Yes. You know? Um, I, I also think that, like, the idea that this might slowly seep into other sports and things as possible, you're right, it could be over. It could be done. But I really don't think that, like, I don't think we're done talking about this. I think that, like, wait three weeks into the NBA season, and then I'll tell you whether or not we're done. But we need a few press junkets before I can say, like, oh, yeah. done and dusted. You know? What if, what if, it's, it's not insane to think and that, like... Do you remember the college basketball in China? Do you remember that? When a LiAngelo Ball from UCLA was caught shoplifting, and that started a oh. feud between Trump and LeVar Ball? That was two years ago. That was... Really? Yeah. I doesn't feel like it was two years ago. I know. Why did yeah. I bring that up? Just, I mean, that's crazy. Like basketball in China, man. It's basketball in China makes news stories happen. So we could do F one in ten minutes, or we could call it a day. I'd say we save F one for because you know next week we're we're not gonna recap a bye week unless we get some yeah. like Wandale injury news. So I'd say oh we're not getting that yeah we're, which we won't honestly I could spend ten minutes right now ranting about how the fact that we don't get any injury news makes it a harder on the media and b just ridiculous for the fans to not know like like what 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 does it do for them what does it do for them to not be able or to not have to like release that. Is Wandale going to heal faster if we don't know about it? I don't know. How many college football coaches would be would we let away with this? You Not know? many. Like, it's Scott. It's you know, the fact that he's a homeboy. That's the only reason that we're not yeah. putting his feet to the fire. I think on a lot of things. And I'm curious how long that goodwill lasts. Because I, once I think it's starting to... Once the goodwill goes, then we have to start talking about, okay, well, which coordinator are you firing? Because someone's got to go. Because at the end of the day, firing a coordinator in college football is not necessarily like this guy is bad. It is an admission of the fact that like your team has flaws and you're working towards them. And for whatever reason, the culture of college football has been set up in such a way that like we'll only believe you if we see heads roll. Which like we can talk about the efficacy of that in a little while, yes. but like you know, uh, it, at a certain point. We almost need an apology tour after, if we don't win another game this year, which is a, a possible. That is a possibility. It's really possible. It's more possible than it was, you know, what, 72 hours ago? How long ago was the game? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. You know, just another thing. Well, one thing for team patience and Scott Frost. Uh, first year at Baylor for head coach Matt Rule, he went 1-11. Second year, he went like six and seven, and now he's got them undefeated. So the third year seems to be the the year where you make it or break it. Mm -hmm. But I think he's making it more make or break. If if we if we if we which we would do if we lose out, we would have one less loss than uh, one more loss than last year, right? No, no, we'd have the same record if we lost out, which is 
a possibility that oh, I'm God. starting to think about. Because Illinois, Purdue, Maryland are all 50-50 games. Oh, Maryland. you got to think we get one. You almost got to think that if we can. Well, well 50-50, you know, you said odds Illinois, are you get one out of those. Yeah, you got to think we get one. I really think it's very possible we get two. But it's also, in t- like, you're right. They're very toss-up games. And also, like, I don't know how to quantify this team anymore. Because I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. We should have won that game. <laughs> no, we, we, we should have played that clo- game closer. Yeah, at we, the very least, we should have adjusted on defense. We should have tackled their guy. We should have got off the field on third down. There's no reason why it should have been any worse than fourteen nothing because our offense wasn't doing dog. But uh, why did I say that? I couldn't think of a substitute for this. But anyways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll we call couldn't it. do diddly poo, and yeah, that's the end. We'll leave I'm it at that. Diddly poo. It's a Jim Mora quote. It's culture. <laughs>